program everybody you just stepped inside of psychotic bump school the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul my name is dj rome and i want to welcome you to another exciting edition of psychotic bump school so ladies and gentlemen tonight oh we have such a fully packed show for you oh we have some somber news to get to as well as a bit of celebratory uh, exceptionalism as well as some uh, creative filmmaking so uh, let's break it on down this evening we paid a little tribute to the late and great civil rights icon John Lewis and uh, we did so with uh, two good friends of the program who haven't been here for a little while so I'm very happy to welcome them back Juliana Bowden and my good brother mr. a Scott Galloway and both of them will also be joining us for a celebratory tribute to George Clinton George Clinton is still alive, ladies and gentlemen. P-Funk legend, uh, Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, the, the good brother's done it all. He just celebrated a birthday, and uh, <laughs> we, we, we honored him. I mean, it, it's nice to give heartbeat props. Of course, we have to pay tribute to those who have uh, gone on. But George is still here. We had a very, very enjoyable, ruckus conversation about George Clinton, and we break down some of our P-Funk favorites. So that's A. Scott Galloway and Juliana Bowden joining us for this one. And I was also pleasured to bring to you a conversation I had with filmmaker Rachel Cook. She's out on the East Coast in Falls River, Massachusetts, and she has a new project out called Woke. And uh, I want to hear all about that. She's talking about the relationships between black men and black women. So you know I'm here for that. So uh, that's our show. So uh, you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are about to set it off. So this is KCWGTheTruth.com. My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bump School. Stay tuned for more. We'll be right back with the start of our program after this. The year is 2020, the number. Another summer, get down. Sound of the funky drummer. Music hit in the heart, cause I know you got soul. The information age got him seeing what's really wrong with these racist days. Honor the strong and pity the weak. Your thoughts run your life. Be careful what you think. Haiti beat France in century 17. Salute Toussaint and Dessaline. And I do love France. Know what I mean? It's a system I'm talking. Nobody's agreeing. They say it's suicide when dead bodies are swinging. Cowards are hunting black men. That's what I'm seeing. How many toasters have been burnt down? And once Central Park was a thriving black town. Yo, Chuck, I'm fighting the power right now. Thanks to you, Flav, and P.E. Putting it down. Putting your life on the line so I can rap now. The next generation still singing Fight the Power. 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 We got to fight the powers that be. Police think they weigh six nine over the law. Yeah. Wanna give a short stick, but we really need a long. To the boys in the hood, that can pull a temper tons. From boys in the hood, triple K's on the arm. Four fingers on my palms, screaming fight. Change the policy, defund, buy back our property. You love Black Panther, but not friends. 
Fred Hampton. Word to the Howards and the Aggies and the Hamptons. They book us, won't book us, I'm booker. T. Washington, George Hill for a 20. Think about it. That's 2,000 pennies. The value black life, the cost of going to Wendy's for a four-quarter burger. It didn't murder. Fight for Brianna in the pain of a mama got a fight. Fight the power. Fight the power. Fight the power. Generations is how long we've been at war. The revolution on all platforms. You break a man's mind in his back door. Solidarity is what I'm wearing all black for. For comrades who don't fought without me. It's not to try and change our thoughts about me or to redirect your reports about me. Dear white people, you should take a course about me. Because is it the long four finger ring? The sciences of the arts, the songs we can sing. I really want to know why y'all so scared. Probably because the promised land we almost scared. But look. I think of images that fuel my youth Interviews by Craig Hodges and Abdul Raouf Examples like Olympic black power salutes and panther truths I saw as I pursued my truth If racism is a cancer, black thoughts the answer Gotta get up off the back porch Emancipate your mind, get your bodies back from ransom And all black hands up for the anthem Yo, check this out, man. Bring that beat back, Bring man. Beat back. Two, three, four, hit it. People, people, stronger than this evil. Smash your power structure. Melanin, Royal Rebo. System designed to kill and unprotect. Worldwide, hit the streets just to get some respect. Our fight and our rights for freedom will never waver. Justice, Breonna Taylor. Salute, Chuck and Flavor. Feel the same anger since Radio Raheem died. Black power to the people. Push forward pride. Fighting power like it's a hot though. Born to fight. I made it off the block though. Thought he had a gun and he was black. That's the combo. The police killed George having the convo. They killed Malcolm X. They killed Dr. King. They gave us guns and dope. They want to stop a king. Trying to erase our history. Stop and think. History class ain't tell us about Juneteenth. Cops don't give a damn about it. Negro. Pull a trigger, kill a nigga. He's a key, bro. Both living life on welfare. The last one who killed was Obamacare. Round 12. Nose kind of bloody. Gotta keep fighting. Trump through to North Korea, they respect violence. If you ain't trying to have your city on fire for some respect on our name, we come from gold and diamonds. Fight the power! Fight the power! Fight the power! We got to fight the power that be. Elvis was a hero the most, but he never meant to me. You see, straight up racist, the sucker was simply plain. Cause I'm black and I'm proud, I'm ready, I'm hyper, I'm amped. Most of my heroes don't appear, no stamp. Sample all look back, you look at by nothing but rendering for 400 years if you check. Don't worry, me happy. Was a number one jam. Give if I said you could slap me right here. Get it. Let's get this party started right. Right on, come on. What we got to say? How do the people know the lay? Make everybody see in order to fight the powers that be. Okay, we are back. KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome, and we are returning with uh, good brother A. Scott Galloway and Juliana J. Silk Bowden. So, uh, Scott mm-hmm. and Juliana, uh, I wanted to bring y'all here. Um, I reached out to Scott earlier when I, I saw that Jeff Porcaro had passed away. I thought it was Jeff Porcaro or Joe Porcaro passed away. Um, Father. Joe Porcaro. Exactly. <laughs> Freaked me out, man. I was like, wait, I thought Jeff was gone some time ago, but it was his father, Joe. And so, like I said, Scott is known for putting together these really beautiful tributes, but we've lost so many people during this time and we won't have time to go through them all. But 
Uh, Juliana, you wanted to talk about one in particular or several. Uh, Juliana, can you go ahead and riff a little bit before we turn to Scott? Um, talk to us a little bit about some of these uh, major, major passings that we've experienced lately. Well, I'm going to talk to you about two, one in particular, actually. Okay. And what is so incredible about these past few days is that we lost John Lewis and C.T. Vivian within the same span of, of, of a day. Crazy. And the, the two of them incredibly, um, you know, important to, to say that they're important to the civil rights movement is an understatement. And I just can't find any other words right now. Okay. So alongside Martin Luther King Jr., they were there. Mm -hmm. March on Washington, I mean, mm -hmm. the Edmund Pettus Bridge and yes. all of the landmarks that we associate with those times mm -hmm. that got us to the place where Black people could have a blueprint for how to fight for their rights and, and brown people and every other kind of people would use the footsteps that they took as blueprints for so many different types of human rights fights that we are in today yeah. for the and, and we're you know we're in the fight of our lives right now mm -hmm. and I, I i kid you not i look at the life of you know of congressman lewis in a particular way not because I say that he's more important than C.T. Vivian, absolutely not. He may be more well-known to so many people because he was a 17 terms, I think, 17 term congressman. Mm -hmm. And when people, when young people who came after us look at, they when they learn about the Senate and the House of Representatives and things like that in those civics classes and whatnot, they're going to learn who, are some of the people that have been, you know, in their elected positions the longest. Mm -hmm. They're the most recognizable faces and you got the Mitch McConnell and the, all those sorts yeah. of folks. But when you look at Mr. Lewis, Congressman Lewis, a good instructor is gonna tell you about the blood that he shed for the good of this nation and for humanity pressing forward. Yeah. And the other thing why, you know, he was heavy on my mind when you called and said it's George Clinton's birthday. Mm -hmm. Music and the civil rights movement Come on. go together like, you know, peanut butter and jelly peanut and peanut, peanut and butter itself. <laughs> so um, in the midst of mourning, Mr. Lewis, mm -hmm. goodness, I was so distraught because we're in such a hard time right now. Yeah. Oh my God, God, how can you take this leader from us? We're in the worst time of our, in my waking life. Mm -hmm. And what are we going to do? Him, CT, all these folks just seem to be dropping like that. And yeah. it, it just hit me. Mm -hmm. uh, John and CT, they're like, tag, y'all are it, and you have what you need to yeah. fight this fight and see it through. Come on. And additionally, uh, Michelle Obama posted a video of John dancing to Happy. You know, clap along yeah. if you feel. Yeah. And he was, and this was a recent, this looked pretty recent. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And the way that the, he was, the, the way he was feeling the music and looking around and dancing with constituents after this event, you would have thought this man couldn't have been a day over 40 or 50 the way he was moving, but he had to be at least in his seventies or I believe he was, he was 80 or whatever, what have you when yeah. he passed. He and he was still finger snapping and in just really in a groove. And he talked with uh, Ava DuVernay at the time that she was able to capture the story of Selma and put it on the big screen about how important music and the arts are to the soul and to people being able to have hope and go on. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at that picture of him dancing around and feeling that music, mm -hmm. heck, I turned on some music and I got happy. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to post another thing about how I'm so sad. We got work to do. Ooh. We've got work to do. And he showed us how. He did. And he has a soundtrack of his own, mm -hmm. you know, from the whole time that they were out there with Martin to the time that he was able to greet young people and be dancing to Pharrell's music and it just be so present in every generation, not only for civil rights, but for the arts. Mm -hmm. So I say that when you look at a person like John Lewis and another person like George Clinton. They're two sides of the same coin fighting for the same freedoms, except mm. that one does it through your soul with the rhythm and the other one does it in the courts and on the ground with the powers that be. Come on. Come on. So to that end that we have George still with us mm. on the one. Right. I'm man. I mean, Scott, I mean, Scott, you know, we talk so much about people that pass mm -hmm. when somebody's birthday comes up of stature, <laughs> like George Clinton. Right. Doesn't it feel like it, that much more of a celebration right now? Because you, mm. you, it's one thing to eulogize, but it's another thing to give somebody the flowers while they're above ground. And for Come George, on. I just can't even express how hard it is to contain myself whenever I hear anything that George Clinton had his hand in. I mm. think my, if I have to pull, pull out one, one favorite, <laughs> I'm going to try. She already pulling out favorites, Scott. You see that? <laughs> I'm going to try. But well, well, no, I have two. One of them is obvious and the other one is a little bit more obscure just to impress my intellectual friends. Oh my God. <laughs> Before you tell us right. what it is, uh, Scott, I'm going yep. to in just a second. Did you happen to catch Good Trouble on Netflix? I did not, but I was wondering if either of you have seen Good Trouble about John Lewis, the documentary. I've heard wonderful it's things about it. I have not, I have not watched. Okay. Yet. I will, but I have not yet. Yeah, same here. Juliana, how about you? In full transparency, I started watching it and then it started watching me Netflix and on the couch and I passed out, yep. not because it wasn't good, just because the sister was tired and I got to go back right. to it. Well, you, you, you few steps ahead of this brother right here. All right, well, bro. I had, look, I had the pleasure of meeting, I had the pleasure of meeting that man. That's what and I thought, yes. And I, I took a that. picture with him. I thought you did, yes. Yes, I did. So uh, my John Lewis story, now recall, I had mentioned that he is somebody that was dancing around with constituents after doing very serious business for the country. You know, you know what I mean? Yep. And um, 
the idea that I decided to go do some very serious business for the country and ended up meeting him blew me away. Mm. He was so, where Where was I? I went to go work on the 2016 Democratic Mm. uh, National Convention Mm. for the Democratic National uh, Convention Committee. And uh, I just will say about that, Hey, I did my part. She won the popular vote. Everything else is up to everything else. That's right. But uh, Congressman Lewis was right there participating, speaking at the convention. Mm -hmm. And I had the good fortune to be passing him in a hallway and asked, uh, you know, to speak with him. He took a picture. I felt so special. And to tell that man in his face, thank you for Mm -hmm. fighting for us. I wouldn't be where I am without you. Mm -hmm. It's something I will cherish for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And now I said, I thought I was special because when he passed, my timeline on my Instagram, my Facebook, Twitter, all that was filled with so many people that had a picture with Congressman John Lewis. <laughs> Do you know what that says about his generosity of spirit that so many people had pictures with him? He was there for some of everybody and one of the greatest uh, stories in pictures that you can find on the internet. You want to make yourself smile? Google Congressman Lewis at Comic-Con. This man put the Uh, jacket on that he was wearing as a young man walking across Pettus Bridge and reenacted the march with some little kids because they asked him to come there and, you know, talk about the movie. Uh, I think we lost you, Juliana. Scott, are you still there? Hey, Scott Galloway, Juliana. I'm here. Can you hear me? Hello. I can. Hello. I think we lost Juliana. Can you no, hear I me? I hear Juliana. Oh, okay. Sorry, can Juliana. Go me? ahead. Yeah, pick up where you left off. Oh, okay. Where did you, where did I drop out for you? Uh, Comic-Con and wearing a jacket. Ah, so, man, and so, for so many people to have so many pictures with Congressman John Lewis, what does that say about his generosity of spirit? It was so mm-hmm. amazing and, yeah. and uplifting after a day of such sorrow hearing that he had passed away when mm-hmm. all my friends and their friends and their friends started posting, I met him here, I met him there, a picture with this one and that one, people of all colors and backgrounds and this and that. I was like, look how many lives he touched. But of all of those lives that he touched, I think my favorite moment if all of you within the sound of my voice just go google congressman john lewis at comic-con marching with little kids he put on the jacket that he wore as a young man and reenacted a march around comic-con with these little kids and it was the best thing ever wow so please uh google those pictures comic-con Congressman Lewis, make yourself smile. He is still with us, and I can't say enough good things about him other than if we really want to honor him properly, we got to go vote this November. Come on. Yeah, and to piggyback on, on what Juliana said, I mean, uh, and she pretty much said it all, 
But uh, when he passed for my Facebook uh, little uh, presentation, I kept it very short and simple because uh, there's going to be so much written. And I mean, they're still doing things on MSNBC <laughs> in tribute to him. Like every, yeah. every day, they're still doing tributes. But I posted two pictures, one picture of him on that uh, Edmund Pettus Bridge uh, in the 60s. And I put right next to it, and that happened to be a black and white photograph. And he's marching across that bridge with, you know, pretty much all black people. And then right next to that, I posted a picture of him, you know, the March of Our Lives, you know, in Atlanta. And uh, this was just a couple of years ago. And he's on that bridge. I mean, he's, he's well, not a bridge. He's marching with all these folks. And it's all colors. It's all demographics. I mean, you know, young people, white people, black people, men, women, you know, and, uh, and he was on, he was boots on the ground to the very end. And, uh, and also posted as my cover photograph, you know, him looking over uh, the street with Black Lives Matter. You know, he, he's, he's up in a, in a building somewhere and the picture is taken from a profile point of view. He's got his mask on, he's looking down and he is seeing, uh, you know, that boulevard with Black Lives Matter. I don't know which city he was in, um, mm -hmm. But it was I'll, one of the I'll cities. tell you what city I think he was in. I think he was in DC. I saw okay. that picture when you posted mm -hmm. it. You took me out with that post, Scott. I started boohooing my butt off when I saw that. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's powerful. You know, so I mean, you know, like I said, boots on ground to the very end. And that's that's the, the energy that we have to take with us. And and I definitely felt like a man was eighty years old and doing all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. He deserved a good long rest. And and I posted a quote, you know, of all the quotes that I, you know, came across in that day. And I'm just going to read it real quick. He said, this is from him. And I guess his book across that bridge. And he said, freedom is not a state. It is an act. It is not some enchanted garden perched high on a distant plateau where we can finally sit down and rest. Freedom is the continuous action we all must take. And each generation must, must do its part to create an even more fair, more just society. And that's exactly what Juliana just said. You know, the thing is that brother put in work for a long time. And yeah, you know, the torch is passed to us. And and uh, and and he is such a great example of that because, you know, he never retired from it. You know, it's, it's something right. that, you know, you have to do. It's a part of your life. You know, it's not a, it's not a vocation. It's not something that, okay, I did my part. I'm gonna go sit down. Now, you know, I marched with Dr. King. I did this mm -hmm. and that in the 70s. You know, uh, I'm good now. No, <laughs> that man was, was, was doing it to his very last day. They said right. that uh, on, on something, I think on his very last day, he wrote a letter uh, to, uh, to Congress or something like to somebody. I don't know exactly who he sent the letter to, mm -hmm. but he wrote a letter on the last day of his life that was taking action and making his voice heard mm -hmm. about some uh, needed change. There you go. That, that's, I, I believe it was climate change. There you go. We were blessed to have that brother for 80 years. And that's when now he lives on in us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And C.T. Vivian was like 15 years older than him. So John Lewis, wow. was, uh, in many, in some respects, was a young man. Scott and Julian, at any moment, did you, just looking at the totality of John Lewis's life, was, has there ever been a moment when you felt, man, maybe I should be doing more? Is what what else can I do? What what calling does I mean all the time? Gone. So what what does that mean for you? What have you come up with with that? You know what? 
um, there's a time when a lot of us can feel like we should be doing more. We're not doing enough. Mm -hmm. But what is what I what I think, Mr. Le you know what? I'm not gonna go and say what Congressman Lewis would want. I'm gonna tell you in his own words what he would want us to be doing. Okay. And just to know that no matter you, you whether you think you're doing too much or too little, yeah. what matters is that you do the one thing. Here's an excerpt from his speech at the last Democratic convention. He said, my beloved Democrats, there's forces in America that want to take us backwards. They want to undo 50 years of progress this nation has made under democratic leadership. And we've come too far. Mm. We've made too much progress and we're not going back. No. We are going forward. Yes. That's why we must go to the polls in November and mm. vote like we never ever voted before. Mm. So those were the first words that he spoke in 2016. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you, if I ever feel like I'm not doing enough or I'm doing too little, I'm going to refocus and just make sure that I do that one thing. I need to keep my stress level together so that my immune system stays strong enough to fight off COVID. Sure. So we can't be worried about, am I doing too much or doing too little? We just need to worry about excuse me, we need to be concerned mm -hmm. about a few things that we can do and mm -hmm. for everything else, mm -hmm. focus on good health. So mm -hmm. the, it's, it's the polls in November or get your mail-in ballot, fight mm -hmm. for the, put, put your name on the petition, call your, uh, yes. your municipal, your state, mm -hmm. your federal representatives to make sure we can vote however it is right for each of us and don't forget the, the disabled folks yes. the people that can't be uh, in crowds because they are high risk for the pandemic right whatever we can do to make those votes happen that's where he would want our attention and that is where i will put mine that's what's yeah up. And, and getting other people to vote and uh and then following through in the sense of with all of this voter suppression and whatnot, you know, mm -hmm. doing everything we can to make sure, you know, mm -hmm. that the ballots get to where they need to go right. unencumbered. I mean, there's so much, you know, I mean, you know, we, I wish it was just, you know, as easy to just vote like uh, we always thought it was back in the day. I mean, that, that's, you know, for me and my family and my people, it's a given that you're going to vote. But now we got to deal with the obstacles of, you know, them losing your ballot or, or, uh, or stuffing your, your ballot in a closet somewhere to be discovered two months later. Oh, you know, or, or, or even mail carriers that are changing people's votes before they take them in. I mean, you, you understand the obstacles that we're dealing with. It's a new day. And because the devil is so busy mm. and these people are so wanting to make sure that they don't lose their base of power and everything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the things that we have to do are 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 um you know they're yeah. not insurmountable but it is certainly in my opinion you know more than um the basics you know, it's like in some way each of us has to try to do a little bit more Absolutely. because they're doing a whole lot more to try to make sure that those votes don't count so to scott's point ladies and gentlemen we will have to do a little bit more send a little money i mean i know money's tight send them a dollar send them a dollar get in the fight do a little bit more 
march your ballot to the place where it's going to be counted. Like A. Scott Galloway just said, they are coming for our votes. But I'm telling you, this guy is in a lot of trouble. He's weak. He's hobbling. He's been impeached. There's no hey. way this is a close race. There's no way that they are close to having the same level of confidence. <clears throat> it's not even a fight. It's not even a contest. What I And I talk like this, and I'm going to say it again before I take this break. I talk like this deliberately knowing that I am trash talking and having no crystal ball about what the actual outcome is going to be. And I argue that this is no different than anticipating the World Series or the, the playoff game or the Super Bowl. You don't really know who's going to win, but you know that you're going to be rooting for the side that you're pulling for. And so his side, they beat the other side because they beat him in voter enthusiasm. Okay, voter enthusiasm is a big problem on the left compared to the right because all the guy on the office has to say is fake news, hoax, Russia, own the libs, and his voters are excited to go out and vote for him. And he's basing it all upon lies. And on the other side, they don't fight like that. They're going to the ballot box into November with their tail between their legs like, oh, we got to vote. He's going to win. He's going to stay in office if he loses. We're, we don't have a shot. No, we are going to destroy the other side. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? This is your man, Eric Rico. And you're currently in tune to Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Ron, on KCWG, thetruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Everybody wish I would die so they can write my life story. They tell a lie and then they cry. But count the glory. They love to write a song about me. Truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome, and we're just chilling with the uh, the good sister Juliana Bowden and my good brother, Mr. A. Scott Galloway. We've been chopping it up, y'all. George Clinton is still here. Like Juliana said earlier, he's still here. We're giving this brother some flowers today, y'all. George Clinton, Scott and Juliana, I looked up just, just for kicks and giggles, just like, who's still around? And I, I discovered that uh, Chubby Checker is still alive. Uh, of course, Betty White is still alive. And the one we're celebrating right now, uh, George Clinton. Mr. A. Scott Gallo, I'm gonna start with you on this one. Good brother, when you think about George Clinton still being here with us, rocking and rolling for another lap around the sun, good brother, what comes to mind? Complete and utter shock. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because that man uh, definitely party, you know, he has had you know, 
more than a few birthday parties, man. And uh, and he's uh, you know, he's a great cat. He and Sly Stone just leave me scratching, broken my chin, man. Still here. And, uh, and we got other folks that not that are not here, you know, right. Maurice White and so right. many other folks that you would think, you know, would be the wise sages that would be here to, to be centurions, you know. But mm-hmm. you know, look at look at look at life, look at God, you know, who who knows how long anybody has. Exactly. But George Man, what um, what what a trifecta. George <laughs> Clinton, wait, George Clinton, Sly Stone, and Keith Richards still here. Still okay. Here. Wow. What does that really say? <laughs> I ain't, we we ain't got time to go into all that, man. I, you know, I'm I'm always happy wow. to celebrate George Clinton because George Clinton has made it possible for so many of us to celebrate anything. Mm. He's yes. given us the one, the funk. Yes. He's taken yes, he us on on mind trips, you know, with his, his concepts. And we we've talked about all that before. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna wait and let Juliana drop her two tunes that she wants to. Uh, I can't tell us all about and, and all that. I, I, since she said that out there in our universe today, I've got two on my mind as well. Oh man! So I'm just I'm uh, I'm ultimately happy that the guy is here because I've even you know I I did see the the uh, very incendiary documentary uh, tear the roof off the sucker mm. and even some of the people that were pointing some really poker uh, hot poker. Uh, fingers at George in that documentary, you know, uh, we're giving him birthday props today on social media. You know, uh, I think he's one of those guys that, you know, no matter how controversial, no matter how, you know, different eras of his life and his way of of dealing with people and dealing with the business and all of that, that uh, generally speaking, all most of the people that that ever worked with him or under him or under his groove, you know, still have to give him props no matter what. Mm-hmm. Scott, creating, you remember that time when we did, uh, yeah, absolutely. Remember when you, you helped me talk to uh, Pocket Honore, guitar player yeah. for uh, Wicked Wisdom? Um, right. he, he's open for a George and P-Funk. And um, I remember I, I was, I invited you to talk to uh, uh, the good brother David Lee Spradley, uh, the co-author of Atomic Dog. And mm-hmm. during that conversation, Scott, he said, you know, George, man, he, he's just beloved. He's just beloved. I mean, people still to this day, if they have a chance to jump on a track and George Clinton's going to be on it, they're right there. It's like they, this guy is, is, you know, like Juliana was saying earlier, it, it's bigger than hip hop. It's bigger than funk. I mean, he, he's a transcendent figure in the world of soul and funk music. I mean, who, who else no is question. at that stature? Juliana Bolden, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts have shifted a little bit because I opened my mouth too quick when I said I had two favorite songs. And y'all can imagine I've been waffling now because that now that we've gotten into the conversation and I start thinking about some other songs, I'm like, ah, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and step out. I'm going to go ahead and step out there anyway and just say these there's the two songs I was talking about have special meaning for me. And there's an endless array of grooves that we all love to dance to, but I'm going to just, I'm going to put the obvious hit that means a lot to me. Okay. It's flashlight. Neon light. Stop light. But on the flip side, Mm-mm. I was gonna say 
in yeah. or you know jokingly to impress my into my musically intellectual friends <laughs> i absolutely love placebo syndrome there's so much syndrome baby Okay, don't even get me started all the way with that one. That is such a oh, hey. That is such a groove. So, so listen. So so let me break it down. Break it down. The reason this song means so much to me is not for the impact that it had when I was a child rummaging through my parents' record collection and found it. Mm. But it's for the it's it's some when when you are a person that grows up on music and then you become a musician as an adult, you'll hear things, or well, a musician or a journalist, which I've been both and, and uh, my brother Scott Galloway is definitely both and you're a DJ. Absolutely. There it comes a time in your adult life when you hear a familiar song again, again mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. the first time yes. and it hits, it, it hits you different. Mm. So at the time that I rediscovered placebo syndrome, sit down because I'm about to impress my intellectual friends. <laughs> I had just been diving into Suge Otis. So Ooh. when you hear, tell me that groove does not feel like Suge. Okay. Right? So tell, so, us, who, tell us who Suge Otis is. Suge Otis is somebody I need for Scott to tell you who he is because Scott's smarter. I just got the record. <laughs> Everybody, most people don't remember Chucky Otis uh, uh, for two things. He's the son of the great Johnny Otis, you know, R&B impresario of of all things, uh, back in the '60s. And uh, but he's also the composer of a very popular uh, crossover piece of funk, uh, "Strawberry Letter 23," brilliantly used in the motion picture yeah. Jackie Brown, yes, starring Pam Greer. Mwah, mwah. And <laughs> is it wait shout shout out to uh sh shout out to Pam Greer for e every brother's first girlfriend that I know. Well, I know Scott. Who, who, did, who, who didn't who didn't have Pam Greer on the wall? Like I didn't. Like, but Scott's got Pam Greer on his wall right now. <laughs> <laughs> Pam Greer, Esther Cordette from the Honey album cover. Wow. And, uh, Jane Kennedy. Whoever, man, I, you know, wow. yeah, I love my sisters. Love How about that? So, you know, what Scott broke down about who Shiggy Otis is, check this out. When you fast forward to those who rediscovered this man in, I believe it was the, the 90s, early 2000s, David Byrne from the Talking Heads re-released one of his records. Ooh. So he had this, an, 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 he had another, there, there was a second, uh, not revolution, what's the word? Renaissance. Okay. Yeah, there was a second sugar, there was this other, you know, realization how amazing this guy was. And one of the things about placebo syndrome is that it has that, that 60s, 70s, sitting in the meadow, <laughs> you know, type of hippie that it, it appears, I guess it appeals to the hippie chick in me. 
because uh-huh. the because the groove feels it 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 feels bright and it mm-hmm. feels like it, it feels like a cloud. It feels mm. like you just want to just run and jump and mm. skip around and enjoy fall into the groove and the lyrics. You know, when your ups lift you down, your placebo is too uh, weak. You're in the syndrome. Isn't that a lyric or what? Come on. You're in the syndrome and the, the intensity of their sadness is equal to the intensity Ooh. they enjoy. You're wow. in the syndrome. Wow. Now, as a, I'm a, I'm a, and I know Scott going to jump on this right here. The mm-hmm. other thing about this particular song is that I feel like even though pretty much every Clinton parliament funkadelic composition is built along the strength of the drums yep the drum where the drums sit and to be enjoyed by a music enthusiast in placebo syndrome this is going to be a little bit weird Mm -hmm. but it kind of hits me the same way the drums hit me in let's get it on by marvin gay because these are songs where it's really not supposed to be about the drums it's supposed to be about the feel of the entire song and the prettiness of these melodies and this and that. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's the African in me that goes straight to the drums, no matter what it is. I'm hearing how tight the, the groove is and I am feeling completely at one and I'm with, with, with the pattern, with the drum pattern, much like the let's get it on. But I feel like, maybe somebody would completely disagree with me and be like, girl, are you high? Those songs have nothing to do with each other. For me, they have everything to do with each other. I'm, I'm not mad at her, Scott. I'm, I'm surprised she made that connection. That song could have been Jerome Braley on drums, could have been Bootsy Collins, because those are the two that are credited. Uh, a. Scott Galloway, what are your thoughts on what Juliana just said? Uh, well, yeah, placebo syndrome definitely has the day glow, uh, hippie vibe as funneled through, you know, some oneness. Uh, the black, the black one, the funk, and all that. But to me, the, the primary element of of that record that makes it feel so good and and uh, kind of uh, inebriating is the fact that they definitely lifted very liberally from the Beatles' "Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds" on that song. Really, so that's why it has that vibe to it. Um, and I hadn't okay. heard that song in, in, in quite some time, but that is total Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Uh, you know, the first part, you know, and in uh, and Bootsy was. I mean, he. I mean, uh, George was really good for him. He loved the Beatles. He loved all that psychedelic. Mm-hmm. Stuff, you know, yeah. So they they wove that right in there, and so that's that's the. Uh, that little secret element that is tweaking your mind when you listen to that record. Wow. Well, that, that's, gosh, that's, he just, he just broke down my spiritual connection. See, that's, <laughs> I, I love my friends. See, See that's, that's why I love my friends. A little no, bit of I, I, from my friends. I didn't even have a pick in mind before we started this conversation. This is Juliana Bolden, A. Scott Galloway. I'm DJ Romy listening to Psychotic Bump School on KCWGTheTruth.com. We're breaking it down for George Clinton's birthday, y'all. Juliana just dropped a jewel with that placebo syndrome, Scott. I don't know how in the world you're going to follow that, but A. Scott Galloway, you're up. My brother, what are your thoughts? Wow. Well, um, you know, again, uh, being the Sir Nose devoid of funk of this, of this triumvirate who, who, who I, do, I do not dance, but I do swim. Um, <laughs> I've always been more, you know, I, the, my first 
entry into the whole P-Funk universe was was two things. It was, you know, Chocolate City, the song. Yes. And uh, I'm not going to talk about that one today. Um, I'm so glad that we got to have President Barack Obama. And, and so there's some of your Afrofuturism right there, you know, to, for him to have had a vision of some sort of Black White House, you know, in 1974. And then, you know, in the new millennium or current millennium now, we got to have a black president uh, that that was amazing. But um, the other thing that introduced me right around just probably a little bit earlier than that was the fourth Uncadelic album, which anybody that knows me knows it's my favorite and it's a real dark horse. And you consider what most people consider to be their favorite Funkadelic stuff, but I was a very big fan, <clears throat> or am a very big fan of his album, America Eats Its Young, uh -oh. which okay. is also an album uh, right now and a message right now that is so apropos. Um, so I just, I kind of, you know, uh, you know, I love all the funk and, um, you know, on that album, we had a joyful process, which wow. was a major, uh, instrumental feature again for the label URL. And you had Loose Booty, which was the beginning, which was uh, George, you know, just, you know, um, you know, where after all that crazy stuff he had dealt with uh, as far as drugs and, and whatnot on the first three Funkadelic records, he kind of finally broke one down in a way that was commercially funky and could really get the message across to a lot of people that, you know, dope uh, was really not all that cool which was a strange message for George because he was very much to, to, to that stuff at the time. But he just kind of talked about the, the effects of dope on that album. And then Fillmore was the debut of Bootsy with the whole, oh, oh yeah. yeah, all that stuff, you know. Um, you know. That was Bootsy's very first contribution to Funkadelic Camp was the song Fillmore. Right. But anyway, talking about my two uh, favorite things of George, they're, they're really off the wall because, you know, mm -hmm. the funk stuff I watched everybody dance to at the parties and I heard it on the radio and all that. But there's a song on America Eats This Young called If You Don't Like The Effects, Don't Produce Cause. And on that one, he has a, a um, just the, the whole song is, is, is incredible. I, I pulled the lyrics up here, but he says uh, the first verse, you know, if you say you don't like where you're at, you can make a change. If you accept the blame, stay in control of your reactions. It will determine the effect of any situation. You have the power to negate any ulcer causing feeling that prohibits you to think situation is just that. It has no special powers to do you harm. It's your reactions that count. Now, I mean, that wasn't no hit record or anything, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, the, and the, really this album was a trip in the Funkadelic uh, canon because they got the Detroit Symphony on this record and almost all the vocals were done as group, like choir vocals. 
um, it wasn't so much, you know, any one person singing lead like a Gary Scheider or George or whatever. It was this whole united front of people. Uh, and they were, you know, trying to get some really cool messages across with some full on music, rhythm section, mm -hmm. orchestra, vocals. And, wow. and my second pick is actually one that George was a, one of three writers on. It's actually my all time favorite Bootsy Collins song. And I got to tell Boot this as well when I interviewed him back in the 90s. Mm. And, uh, and he was just messed up that I brought this song up. But it was the last song on side one of the very first Bootsy's rubber band album, which was on mm. the name of Bootsy Baby. And the song is called Another Point of View. There's a message in here uh, where he says, I'm just another point, I'm. I'm just another point in time. Mm. Your time is precious, just like mine. No matter what anyone tries to do, the world can't turn me against you. I don't know who wrote that lyric. I don't know if that was George or Bootsy <laughs> or what. And that's that's the hook of the songs. The, the, the song itself goes in all kinds of different directions. And it's an incredible, funk rock classic to you know and wow. bootsy did it live in that on that first tour he only had one album i don't i think he's kind of left that song behind as mm -hmm. he moved further into his career he's got so many hits and everything but on that first tour mm. on and we're talking funk festivals and all that kind of stuff right for him to send a message like that out into the world Mm -hmm. I'm just another point in time. Your time is precious, just like mine, no matter what anyone tried to do. The world can't turn me against you. That's some brotherhood, you know, mm -hmm. you know, talking about blur the lines, Democrat, Republicans, and we need to do what we need to do to mm -hmm. get Trump out of the office. That, you know, man, Funkadelic, they were mm -hmm. some scrumptious. I mean, they, they, they got stuff, man, that people haven't even begun to dig into, man. I mean, you know, they have messages. They've had so much so many layers of depth to what Funkadelic yes. and George Clinton records and all that and Parliament records, you know, I mean, I would just think, I mean, there's a whole bunch of people that probably still to this day don't even understand what a placebo is, you know, but, you know, <laughs> exactly. but George made records that put that kind of language and that sort of, you know, thinking, you know, he just dropped the seed. It's up to you to pick up on it, you know, but mm -hmm. he dropped some hellified stuff into the music that was uh, just way beyond, you know, shake your booty and, and let's do the bomb Absolutely. and all of that, you know, so that's Hey, free, free your mind and your and rump your will follow. your ass will follow. No, wow. your ass will follow. Come on. <laughs> we can say ass. I wasn't sure we but, could say ass. I didn't want to be the problem child. <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> just think about that though, ladies and gentlemen, what Juliana and Scott just broke down with those few songs right there. If you don't like the effect, don't produce the cause. Is cool. that what's happening today right now or what? My two tracks. The first one is a Funkadelic song called Soulmate. Now, what I love okay. about George Clinton and that whole thing is that, Scott, I don't even know what this is called. You're the writer here. But what's it called when you <laughs> have a song title 
and they never even mention the title in the song. Because Strawberry Letter 23, like Juliana was talking about with Shuggy and all that, they don't even say the number 23 in the song. Because so, the song is number 23. Oh, snap. So he's referring, so in the song, he's always saying Strawberry Letter 22. That was her letter to him. So his hmm. response was Strawberry Letter 23, oh, the snap. actual song. Break it down. Okay, so if so, the song Soulmate, uh, D'Angelo actually covered it, believe it or not. Have y'all heard D'Angelo cover that song? No. No, I gotta pull that up. Yeah, it's, it's on YouTube and it's a beautiful cover. He's actually playing guitar as he's singing it and it's brilliant. soulmate in the song but it's definitely a song about love i just wanna kiss you baby need you baby i got a thing for you i mean definitely not the depth of political speak that the the other tracks we heard tonight but i just love that song and the guitar work i think by eddie hazel most likely it is just genius it is just absolutely genius and i got one more because we're almost out of time what album is that from Oh my God, it's either Tales of Kia Funkadelic or it's on Hardcore Jollies. Okay. Hardcore okay. Jollies. And then my other track, ladies and gentlemen, oh man, it's from Tales, from Tales of Kia Funkadelic. I just love this song. I don't even know if it came out on the original release or later, because I actually found an instrumental of this song. It blew me the freak away. It's called How Do You View You? And what I yeah. like about it, because remember Juliana was talking about the drums on Placebo Syndrome, Scott? Yep. And as a DJ, when I think about the placebo syndrome and how I've used it in my career as a DJ, I've always blended that song, Juliana, with Brand New Player by Zap and Roger from the More Bounce, uh, More Bounce album, first Zap album. Those two tracks feel that. so brilliantly together, the rhythmic broken beat pattern of the drums. And Juliana, ladies and gentlemen, has famously uh, taught us how important the drums are. Uh, in <laughs> they just By way of the drums. Exactly. They, they just hold it down. How Do You View You has a similar feel for me because it has sort of a choppy, wonky kind of rhythm to it. And one of the lyrics of the song, I'm doing this from memory. I wasn't as smart and prepared as Juliana and Scott. But one lyric that stands out for me is, have you ever known someone that takes personal the rain? And I was like, wow. I just thought about the depth of that. It's like, so, if it's raining 
and you just think that it's just raining on you, what does that mean? How do you view you? And I'm like, wow, that mm. is thought, <laughs> thought provocation personified. But those are my two, y'all. Soulmate. That's a definite perfect one for you as, a, as one that delves <laughs> into the world of psychoanalytics, man. I mean, that's a, that's a perfect uh, natural choice for you. gentlemen help us celebrate the life and times heartbeat props as shock g once said underground let's give some heartbeat props for the good brother george clinton parliament oh my god we gotta break it on down ladies and happy gentlemen, birthday happy, happy birthday, birthday george clinton we yeah. are so wonderfully blessed to have you with us uh, what's the best hey. way for people to get in touch with y'all and to follow y'all's work let's start with the good sister juliana bolden and let's land the plane with my good brother a scott galloway if you just want to talk to me and holler at me and maybe tell me what your favorite funkadelic song might be or turn me on to something hit me up on instagram or twitter at juliana on beat that's j-u-l-i-a-n-a-o-n-b-e-a-t mm, come on juliana bowden ladies and gentlemen thanks jules you are on the one hey scott galloway uh, uh social media wise you can find me uh exclusively at this point on facebook a scott galloway on facebook that's where i'm at today. That's what's up. Juliana Boda and A. Scott Galloway. This is 
filmmaker Rachel Cook, and you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host DJ Rome on KCWG, thetruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Started a war screaming peace at the same time. All the corruption and justice, the same crimes. Always a problem if we do and don't fight and we die, we don't have the same right. What is a gun to a man that surrenders? What's it gonna take for someone to defend us? If we all agree that we're equal as people, then why can't we see what is evil? justifying a genocide, romanticizing the theft and bloodshed that made America the land of the free to take a black life, land of the free to bring a gun to a peaceful fight for civil rights. You are desensitized to pulling triggers on innocent lives because that's how we got here in the first place. These wounds sink deeper than the bullet your entitled hands could ever reach. Generations and generations of pain, fear, and anxiety Equality is walking without intuition saying the protector and the killer is wearing the same uniform. The revolution is not televised. Media perception is forced down the throats of closed minds so it's lies in the headlines. And generations of supremacy resulting in your ignorant, privileged eyes. We breathe the same and we bleed the same, but still we don't see the same. Be thankful we are God-fearing because we do not seek revenge. We seek justice. We are past fear. We are fed up eating your shit because you think your so-called black friend validates your wokeness and erases your racism. That kind of uncomfortable conversation is too hard for your trust fund pockets to swallow. To swallow the strange fruit hanging from my family tree because of your audacity to say all men are created equal in the eyes of God and disparage a man based on the color of his skin. 
do not say you do not see color. When you see us, see us. We can't breathe. Yes, we are back. KCWG, the truth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome, and I'm very excited to speak to this next guest. She is an award-winning filmmaker and founder of production company RMC Pictures. And she writes many stories in her work that range from love, music, spoken word, and uh, including some very in-depth social commentary. And a lot of it covers the state of uh, current things as they stand right now. And she has this new project out or on the way out. And uh, I had a chance to see it, y'all. So I have some questions for this amazingly creative talent right here. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time the Psychotic Bum School filmmaker, Rachel Cook. Miss Cook, are you there? Yes. Uh, hi, DJ Ron. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is a pleasure and a half. You are on the East Coast. I forgot to mention you are in Massachusetts. And tell me again what city you're in. Uh, I'm in Fall River. Oh, okay. And so demographic, well, geographically, <laughs> we'll talk about the demographics in a minute. But geographically, you said that's about an hour or so away from Boston? Yeah, like south of Boston. Oh, okay. So you're a filmmaker. How do you view your responsibility during this time as an artist to capture this moment? in your work, uh, how do you view and capture that role as we live through this time right now? Well, while I've been quarantined, I've actually been writing my next short film um, that I hope to shoot um, maybe next year or, there, or the year after. Uh, Cause I have been writing about basically the way that everybody has been behaving during the coronavirus pandemic. I personally feel that there's a lot of mistreatment going on uh, people treating others like animals. You know, there have been comments I've seen on social media, oh, these people want to walk outside. They're morons. They're idiots. How dare they walk outside? Well, they're human beings and, and a human has to go outside. Or comments like, well, if they're not wearing a mask and they go on my yard, they're going to be shot. Like just absolutely awful and ridiculous comments. So I'm writing about that. Um, so I love Rod Serling, uh, basically uh. Twilight Zone. Yeah, and I just, I just can't imagine what he would have thought of the way people are behaving during this pandemic and what he would have wrote. And so I'm wow. writing and I'm going to be coming out with a film about all of this in the next coming years. Oh, snap. Well, I can't wait to see that. Uh, we are going to talk about Woke in just a second, but I, I have a confession to make about Rod Serling. Uh, yeah. I grew up in the 70s and I did not know that the same guy that did The Twilight Zone, Rod Serling, was the same guy who basically did Night Gallery. I mean, I oh. never made that connection for a long, long time. I, as a child, watched Night Gallery. I wasn't so much into the Twilight Zone, but I did watch Night Gallery if I wasn't too scared to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but I did not know that it was the same guy. Um, I guess you knew that, right? <laughs> so to be honest, I was really into the Twilight Zone, but I never, I actually never watched Night Gallery. But oh. I, I did love the original um, Planet of the Apes movies from the 70s, and I didn't know for the longest time that he wrote it, 
So I, I definitely understand that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wait, okay, so now I'm even more in the dark. So Rod Sterling <laughs> wrote Planet of the Apes? Yeah, the, I believe the screenplay for the movie. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The, the things you learn, ladies and gentlemen, from listening to the Psychotic Bump School, you just never know what you're going <laughs> to come in contact with. Planet of the Apes? Oh, my God. I would have never thought Rod was connected to that. So uh, we've been alluding to your film. Um, and before we talk about it, I have to say, um, the, the, there are all types of sports franchises, uh, Ms. Cook, that are trying to start up right now. Uh, among them, of course, the NBA uh, Major League Baseball, NASCAR has been rolling and racing right along during this time, but the WNBA in particular is what I'm leading up to, and how over the weekend, a couple of uh, professional basketball teams in the NBA, or WNBA, I should say, uh, continued their long-standing approach to social justice issues by not only donning the name of Breonna Taylor on their jerseys, but actually deciding as two competing teams to agree to walk off the court uh, at the beginning of the national anthem. And it's not just this, uh, Rachelle. I I'm so impressed with players like Maya Moore, uh, Natasha Cloud. They are putting their careers on hold to help black men, to help black people in general, but to specifically help and support and fight for and on behalf of black men who are either incarcerated or have been treated with injustice and they're putting it all on the line. And not only are they just putting it on the line, they are doing it in very much like Muhammad Ali fashion. I mean, during the prime of their careers, the prime of their lives, when they're at the peak of their abilities and they're putting, I mean, they're putting all of that talent aside. I mean, Natasha Cloud in particular, she's part of the Washington Mystics. They're the defending champs. So these are bona fide superstars in their profession at the top of their form. And they're saying, when I take this jersey off, I'm just black. And there's things right now going on that are far more important than all of that. And so I just have to give that acknowledgement. And it, it was hard not to think about that. I know I'm rambling, <laughs> but it was hard not to think about that as I'm watching your film, Woke. Uh, can you tell us about your, your film, Woke? Uh, what inspired you to tell this story from the perspective of a woke Black woman? What was that about for you? Uh, so basically the synopsis is, is the year 3000 and a woke African-American woman wakes up in a post-apocalyptic world where all Black women are now extinct. And she stumbles upon these a pair of futuristic news goggles that tell her how it happened and why. Um, and I basically, I wrote the film because I just feel like American Black women, um, I feel like they've been everybody's superheroes, mm -hmm. and I don't feel like they're getting much in return. Mm -hmm. um, and that that was kind of like what you just shared, for instance, this is what we as Black women have been doing for many decades. Uh, we stand, we stand behind Black men, and, you know, we're, we're super women. Uh, we stand behind our children, and we don't get any thanks. Um, we we have to battle racism as well as Black men do, too. So it's just a lot being thrown at Black women, and this has been happening for decades. Um, I believe personally that the most oppressed person in the United States is the Black woman, because we have our uh, sex being a woman, and we have our skin color. That's two strikes against us. And I just feel that we don't get thanks, we don't get the appreciation we want, 
we're not, uh, we're, as far as the, the European standards of beauty and all of that, um, we're, we're not up there. It's just, I, I don't like the way that Black women are treated in the United States, American Black women. And, and I would just, I wanted to say in this film, I, I want to encourage Black women to do them and do what makes them happy because we've been doing everybody else for decades now. And I'm tired of seeing the treatment that I'm seeing of American Black women. Yeah, I was gonna, you know, <laughs> I hear you and um, amen, because I, I, I was watching the film and I was thinking this is, this is making a statement here. And um, it, it, it felt like, I, I, <laughs> I'm not gonna give it away, but I felt like uh, listening to what you just said right now and after having experienced the film, it's like, I feel like I failed, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, I mean, I know it wasn't personal, but a film that doesn't stir some kind of emotion, I mean, isn't that kind of the point? I mean, whether it's, you know what I'm saying? I mean, go ahead, what were you gonna say? I, that's exactly, a film that stirs emotion and that basically I, I really wanted people to watch the film and then look at themselves I, you know I don't know everybody's stories but whatever it is that um, whatever it is that they can do better in in their lives I just want them to watch the film and look at themselves think about you know um, how they failed in this topic and do better in the future. Cause I, I just see a, a huge problem. Just the abuse of the American black woman, it's a real thing. And I, it, it needs to be like, people aren't talking about it. Like mm -hmm. people do not talk about it at all. And I'm, I'm ready to talk about it and I'm ready for the smoke. So. Come on, she's ready for that smoke y'all. This is KCWGTheTruth.com's program. It's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. We're chatting with Rachel Cook. Uh, she's a filmmaker out of the East Coast in Massachusetts, talking about her latest project called Woke. Uh, you said you're ready for that smoke now. And twice now, I, I'm listening to you and twice you made a distinction to clarify that you're talking about American black women. Um, it, was that just sleight of hand or do you, what else do you mean? What, what's the implication of like honing in on American black women and how they're treated? Are they treated differently or better in other places? Um, I believe absolutely. Um, I, I think that what's going on in the black community as far as American black people, it's, it's definitely distinct, you know, because there was, there was slavery, there was Jim Crow, um, there were, there were the black codes, <clears throat> there was the, the crack epidemic. It's like we, it, there's mass incarceration, racism, redlining, uh, you know, and the, these are all things that aren't necessarily happening in other countries. This is like a, a unique, this is like a unique history that black people have in America. So uh, there are, I feel like there are some outcomes from that, um, from the systemic racism, from slavery. Um, there are specific outcomes for that, like the, the breakdown of the Black family unit, the American Black family unit, um, yeah. due to things like mass incarceration and, um, you know, systemic racism, crack. Uh, like, these are things that affected the American Black people. And I feel that some of the things that are happening today that I talked that I talk about in Woke, um, it, it's happening because of the issues that only Black Americans have faced. Um, so it's, it's very specific to Americans. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, you said you're ready for that smoke, so I'm gonna see if I can give you a little chance to uh, vent some smoke of your own. Um, the way the sisters are treated here, what myths do you hope to dispel 
and set the record straight about with regard to your film? And uh, what are one or two things that society at large in this country, what do they continuously get wrong about y'all, uh, specifically about black women? Then I want to talk about what they get wrong about black female filmmakers. Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Okay. Um, specifically black women, um, definitely these stereotypes that were loud and ghetto, obnoxious, violent, angry, not good enough for a commitment or love or marriage. Um, all of these things are stereotypes and they're absolutely not true. Or, or that we're ugly or big, like not good enough. Just I'm like, these are the stereotypes that I see all the time about American black women. Um, and they're thrown, these are stereotypes that are thrown at them from American people. So it's, I feel like it's, it's a cultural problem in this country and it's absolutely not true. Um, we are successful, we are educated, we are elegant and beautiful. We're, we're strong and that's not a bad thing. That, that's another thing, being strong is like some kind of a, a strike again. Like, no, um, we're not strong because we think it's cool or whatever. We've had to be strong. I, I mean, like, like the things that I listed about mass incarceration, crack and, and all those things, we've had to be strong to, to keep the family together. So it's not, so I don't think that black women should be attacked for their strength either. It, I, I'm, I'm just tired of the stereotypes and like everything being a bad thing when it comes to black women. So I wanted to dispel that in this film. Um, also the notion, um, I, I did this film because being woke in the black community, to me, it, it means that you have to take um, mistreatment or do things that the black community wants you to do because you know you want to come off like you're quote unquote pro-black but people don't understand what pro-black means or what being woke actually means it doesn't mean doing something just to um, doing something that doesn't make you happy just to please the black community it means actually do it means actually loving yourself and doing what makes you happy and accepting only things that treat you right and that appreciate you and love you that's that is the definition of self-love and being pro-black and people like if you're black and you're pro-black you should encourage another black person to do what makes them happy and to pursue uh, what when they're appreciated and being loved. Yeah. Um, yeah, and discouraging that is the very def definition of being anti-Black, in my opinion. And I think we get these these labels mixed up in the Black community, what being woke is and pro-Black and self-love, we get them mixed up, and, and I'm sick of that, too. So I wanted to dispel those notions in the, in the film, too. Yeah. Um, and about your, your comment about um, black female filmmakers, um, what, what society gets wrong about them. Um, a, a lot of times, um, I was at a, a film festival back in March before the pandemic hit, and it just seems like I, I don't see a lot of black women in lead roles. Um, and when they are in leading roles, you know, they're playing the angry black woman or the prostitute or the oversexed side chick to a white man so i i just don't i don't like those things we're so much more than that i mean i'm i'm a black woman and i am none of those things so i want to see black women portrayed in more realistic humane ways like white women are um and i'm not seeing that in film or media yeah now the things that perpetuate that um again without giving away the details of the film um I can't help but it, it, part of this is black men's fault 
I mean, or responsibility. I mean, it's the black community's responsibility as a whole to protect the sisters, but black men in particular. Um, you've been very kind. Uh, you, you've been very direct in, you know, while you're talking to me, but is, is this an indictment, for the lack of a better term, about black men and how we have perpetuated some of these harmful tropes that are constantly flooding across the, the, the media cycle about black women? What, what role do black men play in this? Oh, I, I absolutely believe so. Um, like when you, when you watch, um, when you listen to music, for instance, like rap music, um, you can hear black men, rappers talking about white is right and light skin this. And, you know, I only date, Chris Brown said in his lyrics, um, I think it was last year, I only date black bitches with the good hair, you know, and if you have a problem with that, oh, it, uh, he said, and the people who don't have a problem like that are the black queens, but I don't, I only date black bitches with the good hair. First of all, black women are not bitches. That's, that's another thing. Um, these, these names that, that they call black women, like hoe and bitch need to stop. And black women need to stop allowing these names of themselves. Um, like the whole white is right. And, and I see, I see it all the time, black men out with white women. I, I see it constantly all day, every day. So I absolutely agree that black men need to do better because I, I don't, I don't see how anybody else out, outside our, outside our race can respect um, seeing black men talking in those ways towards black women, like in the music or, or, um, like talking about, oh, you know, black women are too ghetto or angry and obnoxious for me to be with, so I'm going to get with a white woman. Like, this is, like, how you can't expect anybody else outside our race to look at what we're doing and respect that. It's not respectable. Um, black men need to be there for black women, just as black women have been there for the black man for decades and hundreds of years. And I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing that loyalty. I'm not seeing that respect. And and they need to do better. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm frankly very disappointed in what I'm seeing. Mm. And with that disappointment, uh, how pervasive do you think that is uh, across the, uh, the general spectrum of sisters out there? And if, if that does exist, what keeps them from just completely just giving up, throwing in the towel and just being utterly discouraged about the prospect of black men ever turning this around? Um, well, I, I, the things that, let me see, I feel like I see it all the time. Like, it doesn't matter what state or, I just feel like it's like a cultural problem. And I feel like a lot of black women are just waiting. Um, they're just waiting around, hoping that black men will come back to them, uh, hoping that they will like them and love them again or learn to appreciate them or whatever so a lot of black women are alone like i i know a lot of black women who are educated you know beautiful but you know they're in their 30s 40s even 50s and they're single with kids um and so this is like uh this is like everywhere and i think it's a cultural problem and i feel that black women are a lot of black women are just waiting and and that's that's basically it and i really think that they're not doing it um, service to themselves by just waiting. Mm. Single sometimes uh, conveys um, dissatisfaction, unhappiness, depression. Um, and, and I don't doubt, I mean, I, look at what I do. I mean, I, I'm a psychologist, so I know these things exist. 
However, um, in what way are black women sort of circling their own wagons right now to keep to, to keep your spirits uplifted to 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 make sure that you don't get drowned into or drawn into the the just this the drama of it all i mean the, the fact is sisters are queens and they have had our backs in decades and generations and outside of this brother of uh, this uh, black militia that's been going across the country and even into louisville over this weekend to, to fight for the arrest of the officers in the Breonna Taylor case. Uh, and he, they specifically took it on because there's been so much attention applied to Ahmaud Arbery and uh, George Floyd with far less attention being applied to Breonna Taylor as was alluded to with the WNBA. And so I guess my question is, um, what, what can you tell us about how sisters are rallying around each other to keep their spirits up during this time? Um. Hmm, that's a good question. Well, I, I do see that there are groups, um, like isolated groups of um, basically Black women empowerment groups where we support each other and our businesses, um, supporting each other and pursuing education. Mm. Um, I, I do see that in some groups. Mm -hmm. um, I'm seeing that too. I mean, it's, it's, I'm sorry for cutting you off, but there, there's nobody going to school more right now than Black women. Y'all are always reinventing yourselves, always having to rebound and snap back and figure it out. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I absolutely agree with that, that Black women are probably like the most educated and, and they don't stay down. Like we've mm -hmm. never stayed down. I don't think that's in our DNA. And that's mm -hmm. like, another reason why other people call us quote unquote strong. I don't think we go around saying that, but um, I, I just don't like, I don't see black women as weak or giving up and like, you know, um, feeling sorry for themselves. Um, I think that they're, they're creating their own businesses, their own incomes, their own education yes. and yeah, very successful in doing them. What I would say though, um, I understand that some, like being single is not a bad thing for some women, like that's not what I'm saying, but I, I would say to just um, be open-minded to the idea. I, I think that love is a great thing. I write about love all the time. I make films about love all the time. I love love. And yeah. I would say there's nothing wrong with wanting a man and wanting to be loved. Um, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be married and having kids. I have my own opinions about marriage, but I know a lot of black women want to be married. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. And just be, be open-minded to the idea of love, uh, whatever that may look like. That's what I would say. This is a science fiction piece, uh, essentially a, a love story of sorts. Uh, it's called Woke. And uh, the filmmaker is here right now, Rachelle Cook, to talk to us all about it. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I know I kind of picked your brain a little bit there. Uh, how soon can we see this film? And uh, how can people keep in touch with you about it? Follow me on my Facebook page. You can just look up Rachelle Cook on my Facebook page and find my business page there. And also, I'm on Twitter at RMCPicked. Uh, so you can follow all my updates there as well and visit my website rachelcook.com um, and you know I would be happy to hear whatever you think about this interview because like I said I welcome all thoughts. Yeah. She's thoughts and smoke. <laughs>
<laughs> like, I'm here for it. Let's like, let's do this. That's filmmaker Rachel Cook. Uh, thank you so much for coming to Psychotic Bump School. Will you come back and join us sometime after you get the uh, the smoke from this film and future endeavors? <laughs> I absolutely I, w I would love to come back. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and you know we're here every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us. We shall return next week. Also, want to send a shout out to our special guest for the evening, Juliana Bowden, A. Scott Galloway, and of course, filmmaker Rachel Cook. And I also want to send a special salute to the late, great civil rights icon, John Lewis and Regis Philbin. Oh, we lost a lot of them, y'all. And of course, Peter Green, the original member of Fleetwood Mac, writer of Black Magic Woman. May they all rest in power. If you want to send us some feedback about Psychotic Bump School, hit us up on our email at scibumpschool at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Instagram at psychotic underscore bump underscore school. And of course, just type in psychotic bump school on Facebook to find us there. Also want to send a shout out to Frank Starks, who is the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Take care.